I'm sorry, you can sit there and look and play with all your silly machines as much as you like. Is Gascoigne going to have a crack? He is, you know. Oh, I say! Brilliant! Would Ronaldo, Roberto Carlos and co get away with their 1998 airport antics in a post-9-11 world? How did Gareth Southgate get embroiled in an independent television commission investigation? And was the 1994 Jungle World Cup final marred by a doping scandal? Brought to your ears by The Athletic, this is Football Clichés. Here with me to talk about footballers flogging football boots, Lucas Aid and Chicken Tonight, are Charlie Eccleshare. Welcome back. How are you doing? Good. How are you? Yeah, very well. Thank you. It's my birthday today. Oh, is it? Happy birthday. Yeah. Alongside you, um, we have, well, a very suitable guest for this because you've been in an advert, haven't you, James McNicholas? I've been in several. Much like Eric Cantona, I cut my <laughs> acting teeth in the advert world. Um, so, yeah, I, I admit with some shame that I have been in adverts vlogging everything from uh, Crunchy Nut Cornflakes, uh, Goodyear Tyres, uh, McDonald's, to my shame, and uh, memorably uh, an extraordinary performance in a Tuck Crackers commercial <laughs> that aired predominantly in Belgium and the Netherlands. They all sound like viable Champions League um, sponsors, so I feel like you're a yeah. cross-section for this episode. This sounds perfect. Oh, it's really good to have you. Before we start taking the general piss out of various football adverts over the years, I think we should start where football adverts were at their peak, you know, both creatively, professionally, financially. And, and the golden era was when Nike and Adidas were going head-to-head, Charlie, and it felt like that those production values, sort of late 90s, early 2000s, have never really been matched since. I mean, I was always a Nike man when it came to those ads. Um, and I, I, watching them back, I do still, I think there's so much to them. I think they're really, really good. Uh, I think that they, the tone is often spot on. Like, you, you know, since then, there's been a kind of move from brands like Barclays to be like, we understand football. It's about the <laughs> fans and we love you. And it just feels so inauthentic and horrible. Mm-hmm. Whereas actually, and obviously I'm not suggesting Nike is a you know philanthropic brand, but they, they did seem to get a lot of um, you know what football fans wanted at that time. And, and yeah, that Brazil airport one, for instance, you just want to mm-hmm. see the most skillful, exciting players in the world doing cool skills in a slightly odd environment it's brilliant absolutely absolutely right so james i guess you know from from mm. a consumer's perspective surely that the thing we want from our football adverts is to see actual footballers um doing footballery things that impress us and then eventually getting around to the ultimate point which is selling us the thing that's that that all seems to be the fairly simple ingredients for a good advert doesn't it i, I think so and in the 90s these adverts really recognized that it was about the stars but there were some sort of odd threads that ran through them a lot of them seemed to be set in a sort of dystopian future <laughs> where football takes place on a boat or you know and there's a great one uh, from 1996 about where they they play against a team of devils uh, mm. about all conquering evil giants coming to destroy the beautiful game which obviously foreshadowed Jose Mourinho's Chelsea by a full decade <laughs> uh, they are kind of incredible uh, high production 
action movies, really, aren't they? Starring footballers as kind of Van Damme equivalents. These are directed by proper directors as well. The, the, the Good versus Evil one from 1996 mm. that you mentioned there, that was that was directed by Tarsem Singh, who famously did R.E.M.'s Losing My Religion video. Um <laughs> 1997's Park Life video, which I think we should watch first. That was directed by Jonathan Glazer, who who did Massive Attack videos, Jamiroquai, and Sexy Beast as well. So it, I feel like they were tapping into some sort of cultural pocket that appealed to various people. And I feel, I feel like Park Life 1997. This is this was a kind of Sunday League setting. Was was really where football adverts took off. So we'll get started with that one because it's um it really is a glorious piece of work. <laughs> I mean, I think last time I was on it, we were talking about Sunday League. So this is a lovely fusion, you know. <laughs> the marshes. Brings back a lot of memories. And there, me. there they are, looking resplendent. But the crucial thing about this advert, um, and where it perhaps supersedes plenty of others, is the football action is incredibly authentic. This is, this is, this is really good footballers in a perfectly, uh, you know, conceivable Sunday League setting, and I really enjoy it. It does also tap into something like... Even now, the idea of having like a pro footballer come and play for my Sunday League team is a bit of a fantasy. It's a bit of a yeah. dream, and and this does tap into it. It's it's really cool imagining that you know you had suddenly some of these players like Robbie Fowler's there, Ian Wright. They're they're just mm-hmm. playing. Uh, on Hackney Marshes for your Sunday League team. I think that's a, that does tap into something quite real. Also, like when David Seaman comes out and he punches away that clearance and there's a bit of a challenge there, like surely there's kind of people on the sidelines desperately worrying about insurance and things like that. Like the more <laughs> authentic the football yeah. action is, the more problematic it must be to shoot. I did think that when he was coming. I was like, he's going to get absolutely clattered here, even more mm. so than he would mm. in uh, in the Premier League. Yeah, it was really nice not to see sort of defenders just dancing around them like they do in terrible films. It, it genuinely looked like they were going for them. Um, this was a huge thing when it when it, when it came out. Um, newspapers were doing articles about the production of this, and uh, and there was the inev- inevitable kind of um, quote from one of the Sunday League players about how what Cantona was like. He said, "Yeah, no, he's a really good bloke." As, you know, as if that's the best way to sum up Eric Cantona, just suddenly descending <laughs> upon your Sunday League team. Um, and that was that was as good as the eyewitness accounts got. Cantona as well. He's a he's a recurring theme, isn't he's he? Sort of a he makes motif. these cameos, yeah. yeah, which is quite nice. I like that when they'll like they'll cut to him and he'll you know nod his appreciation or raise an eyebrow or flip a collar. Yeah, it's nice that he's the recurring kind of um, overlord. The Godfather. Of these ad- yeah, very much so. I mean, I didn't realise, for example, that he pops up in the in the kind of genre defining Brazil airport advert of 1998. Um, does it? Yeah, he yeah. does. Uh, um, we're going to watch. He looks that out now. the window, doesn't he, on a plane? That's nods right. his approval. I feel like it's responsible of us to watch this ever in in a kind of post nine eleven context because I feel like you would be able to get away with any of this in the year twenty twenty, and that's even if airports were open. So let's let's assess nineteen ninety eight's Brazil airport advert from a from an airport security perspective. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean, authentically looking quite bored here. That that's all very realistic, and that's then, very plausible. A very nice ball. That. He's got that in his hand luggage. He's thought I might need that at some point. <laughs> Why would you have it pumped up? This is all unacceptable. 
and the security guard tells them. But wasn't there a thing here as well? There was like a curse of this ad because Janino and Romario, I think, got injured before the tournament started. And then right. Nielsen had a really disappointing tournament. Uh, Ronaldo, of course, famously, you know, had, had that episode before the final. So it, it, it kind of took on a slightly... Um, less romantic view in, in the in the months that follow. I remain convinced it was his performance in this advert that convinced Real Betis to pay a world record fee for the Nielsen. <laughs> as far as I'm aware, this is kind of the highlight this of his career. This was their scouting. Yeah. There's Eric on his plane, oh, just looking yeah. suitably impressed by it all. But I mean, this I is think... genuinely quite anxiety-provoking. They're, so, they're really near. I mean, they're, they're in areas you just should not be in an airport. Yeah, absolutely right. And also, we, we probably shouldn't underestimate just how annoying this would be to just have to deal with was, in an I airport. Go- I was going to say, think how stressed... Yeah, the average stress level of people at an yeah. airport. You're not yeah. going to appreciate having someone doing skills around you. Yeah, and... you just, can you just not? However, <laughs> yeah. who is that over... who uh, gets sucked into the baggage, car- baggage carousel? Oh, I think it's Leonardo. He had um, really short hair then. That's ah, Leonardo. Wow. So it's important to identify all these players. But Quite a traumatic experience. Uh, the overwhelming sense I get from this <laughs> advert is that it's very nice watching all these very famous footballers um, playing football in an unusual setting, but realistic every time i am at an airport i think it would be really nice to play football here the 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 floor is really smooth there are Mm. plenty of opportunities to to score goals into into various goal shaped structures i just i'm forever wanting to play football in in airports and i wonder if it is simply because of this advert or just because i'm football mad well let's go down to heathrow now in the middle of a pandemic and see how we get on it'd be great (laughs) empty behind closed doors at heathrow Uh, This kind of war between Nike and Adidas in terms of the the production standards of their adverts just kind of grew and grew. There was in two thousand there was the mission, which is where Louis Van Gaal sent a a, a motley crew of of star footballers mm. to go and steal a ball from a high security facility. A questionable decision to to give all the major dialogue in an advert to Louis Van Gaal. <laughs> yeah, it's it, very it is very a bit harsh, odd, isn't it? <laughs> And then in 2002, perhaps perhaps we did reach kind of the peak of expenditure and budget for this sort of thing, because yeah, that was the Nike secret tournament, uh, which, which spawned this kind of worldwide global marketing phenomenon. There were, there were actual tournaments being held, one, it's 3v3, and, and the, the, the advert itself was directed by Terry Gilliam. And as you mentioned earlier, this, this was the, this dystopian kind of post-industrial setting of a, of a cruise ship in the middle of nowhere or a cargo ship in the middle of nowhere. And um, I... As, as any responsible researcher should, I went onto the Wikipedia page for this, Charlie, and um, it, it gives you the rundown, almost like an actual major tournament, of who the squads were <laughs> and what the, how the tournament panned out. And I, do, I, do, I don't think I ever really thought about how the tournament managed to progress, but the, the winners were Triple Espresso, which was Thierry Henry, Francesco Totti and Hidetoshi Nakata, which sounds a bit like a cynical move from Nike in <laughs> terms of who were, who were you know, scripted to win it because the team they beat in the final were Os Tornados, which were Luis Figo, Roberto Carlos, and Ronaldo, which feel quite unbeatable. That's a pretty all all soon to be at Real Madrid. It's a, a, <laughs> oh, a pretty, uh, pretty spectacular team. They do win in sort of what I would call not the true spirit of the game, though. Do you know what I mean? They they don't cheat, but the winning oh, goal where Thierry Henry climbs on someone's back to head it in at and kick heads off. it. Yeah, think, and he know, didn't score many headers, so um, no, interesting one, one, choice. One of the few. Just scanning the squad lists, I mean, they, it is essentially stellar all across the board. But I, mm. I feel like Tuto Bene, who went out in the quarterfinals to Equipo del Fuego, uh, Fabio Cannavaro, Thomas Rosicki and Rio Ferdinand. I, I just don't think that's quite high level enough given the, given the quality elsewhere. 
There's, I mean, the Jumberg Saviola Luis Enrique team as well. I'm, I'm not sure that's quite at the level of some of the others. Enrique would have been getting on a bit in 2000. Yeah, he would have been coming to the end of his yeah. career. Saviola was, I mean, you know, for I me, think... always more of a football manager phenomenon. I mean, I'm an Arsenal fan, but I think Sylvain Wiltord is maybe the luckiest name to be on that list. I mean, <laughs> he's a good player, but, you know, in terms of sort of international renown, I don't think he was quite up there. I feel like this is this is about as elite as we're going to get in this episode because we have, we are, we're we going to plumb some serious depths from here on in. Um, <laughs> I, I want to start with, um, Elliot Newstead suggested this, um, which is Gareth Southgate's association with shoe brand Bull Boys. And and this I this as I understand it this this advert and and this product was released or scheduled to be released around late 1996. Uh, unfortunately, his Euro '96 travails came in um, and ruined the whole thing. So he was hastily replaced by Alan Hansen, um, but not before the Independent Television Commission got their stuck their oar in to the situation. So we're going to watch the advert first, and then I'll tell you about the um, the scandal that unfolded afterwards or the mini scandal. So here's Ball Boys. With Bull Boy's shoes, you get a free pair of shin pads. Signed by me, Alan Hansen. So Alan Hansen came in to, to step in for Gareth Southgate for shin pad shining, uh, shin pad signing duties, I should say. Um, but the, uh, the scandal that erupted after that was um, someone complained that kids might be misled that each each particular pair of shin pads weren't signed personally by Gareth Southgate. And so from then on in, they had to uh, put the small print at the bottom was pre-printed signature. Um, and so, yeah, so Gareth Southgate was just basically embroiled in a kind of advertising standards scandal. <laughs> way what a before. year for him. What a yeah. year. If the FA had ever known about this, would he have got the England job? <laughs> we want to stick to Gareth Southgate here because this, this to me, um, he comes out of this, this advert that we're about to watch was a great deal of credit because this was post Euro 96 and he had joined the Pantheon Charlie of, of England penalty misses, uh, Chris Waddle and, and Stuart Pearce. And they all, of course, joined forces for this very light-hearted, self-deprecating advert for Pizza Hut. Miss, miss, <laughs> miss, Pizza Hut pan pizzas, unless I'm mistaken. Mm. Thank, Thank you, miss. Come on, Gareth, it only took me six years to get over it. Have some pan pizza. Pan pizza from Pizza Hut, a light fluffy base with a crispy crust smothered with generous toppings. Thanks a lot boys, I feel much better now. Ooh, this time he's at the post. Pizza Hut pan pizza, <laughs> it always hits the spot. Call, calling the waitress Miss as well, so frequently, I don't know if that would go down so well nowadays. It is funny, Southgate with his bag on his head like John Merrick in The Elephant Man. <laughs> and off it comes. Um, Stuart Pierce saying, add some pan pizza, might just be the most exquisitely blokiest thing that's ever been said. Yeah, it's nice to see footballers, you know, we've, we've seen some very serious football adverts, but it's nice to see them sort of, you know, taking the piss out of themselves, isn't it, James? One of the things I, I noticed going through some of these ads is that I think that's gone out of football a bit. You know, if you look at sort of the 90s in particular, there is a humour and a levity and a willingness to kind of recognise the absurdity of sport and take the piss. But there isn't any of that, really. The later you go, if you think about more recent efforts, it's all a lot more sincere, a lot more earnest. They're presented a lot more as kind of uh, legitimate stars. And, it, mm. yeah, it's not nearly as fun, basically. 
Well, that's like this is from the time of like fancy football, the mm. you know, Frank Skinner and Badil, and the stuff they would get players to do is just extraordinary. Imagine imagining like now asking players to take the piss out of themselves in that way is uh, you just can't imagine it. This leads us on obviously to uh, Kevin Keegan and Sugar Puffs, and uh, the the ongoing uh, sort of but underreported career saga that was the Honey Monster. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he he became this kind of super sub figure in the first Sugar Puffs advert. So um, here's, here's Kevin Keegan describing how he deployed the Honey Monster in what appears to be a cup final against a nondescript opponent. Well, the game was heading for extra time. I just had to get the big fella off the bench. Could this be their last chance now? In it comes! Monsters of the front post! He scored! The Honey Monster scored in the last minute! He's in the money! It's the Honey! Goal, Honey Monster! That's football, Kev. Sugar puffs are delicious like puffs of whole wheat dressed in little honey jackets. That's the bowl, half of the cup. Excuse me. <laughs> he turns, he lifts the cup on Wembley goes, monster mad. Some initial questions here. First of all, <laughs> it, it, it doesn't seem to be particularly clear how tall the honey monster actually is because he's introduced as, as the big fella and then you see him coming on and he, he's probably a good foot taller than Keegan. So we're looking at about 6'8", six, 6'10", six, mm. something along those lines. And then, I mean... Uh, as surprisingly good as the production values are here. I mean, I don't know if they rented out Wembley for this purpose, but it all looks very authentic. He's appears at the at the far post, James, looking at least seven foot. And then yeah. when he's lifting the trophy next to Keegan at the end, he's probably only about six four. I'm I'm really troubled. How tall is the honey monster? Camera tricks. We'll never know. I, I think this predates, does it, the signings of Les Ferdinand and Alan Shearer, but sort of makes yeah. clear Keegan's penchant. For the big man up front, the Honey Monsters career seemed like a strange one. He 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 performed some sort of, some sort of Andy Cole move, which was going from Newcastle to Manchester United in around ninety six ninety seven, um, but that was then deployed under rather strange circumstances. This this was Man United in what seems to be a sort of generic looking European away tie uh, in Italy, and uh, Peter Schmeichel gets himself in some early bother, and the Honey Monster comes out to save his bacon. Here we go again. Man United leading one nil here in Italy. Here's Ravioli. Ravioli, the uh, Italian player. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Class. Gloves? Who needs them? Ravioli? What a save by the Honey Monster! United win! That's football, Luigi. And this is Sugar Puffs. Sugar Puffs are monsters. It's great as well that they got Sean Dyche to voice the Honey Monster. <laughs> <laughs> One kind of unhealthy food brand, which, which was kind of closely associated with footballers around the mid-90s was was McDonald's. Uh, it all began with, with Scott Parker juggling the ball in his back garden, um, which I, I feel like became a retrospective thing. We didn't know it was Scott Parker and, until many years later. At the time, it felt like it was just some kid. And even looking back at it now, it doesn't even look like Scott Parker. And ultimately, Charlie, Scott Parker did become known as someone who had tricks up his sleeve. It, it, <laughs> I feel like a more suitable Scott Parker ever would be him just simply running around in a circle with the ball at his feet, but nobody would be able to get it off him. Short passes, few tackles. <laughs> Wouldn't have made for such a good advert. <laughs> just positional play. Yeah, yeah. yeah, just, yeah just, just being a midfield general. Pointing yeah, yeah. at stuff. Um, <laughs> but one surprisingly impressive um, McDonald's advert performance was from, from Alan Shearer. And I felt like from start to finish, this is genuinely, genuinely sort of sitcom, maybe soap opera level acting ability. This is Alan Shearer being pestered um, for an entire minute uh, by a kid who wanted his signature and then he rocks up in McDonald's. 
that child looks too young to be working in a restaurant. <laughs> yeah, I think this that. is Alan Shearer trying to pay for McDonald's for the check. Meal, meal, sir. Got no cash, is uh, a check all right? Yeah. Is that a problem? I'm sorry, sir, your signatures don't match. It doesn't match. I'm sorry. You're joking, aren't you? Can I have another example? There you go. Thanks. <laughs> it's a check, all right. What year are we in? 1998, <laughs> apparently. There's no way you could. You, there's no way people were paying for McDonald's with checks. Do we think as well now that you know you you wouldn't want to align yourself so much with McDonald's or fast food brand that sort of thing? Would that be worse for players' image? Whereas back then, it, it didn't seem to be so much of a concern. I'm pretty sure that's the case. I mean, yeah, it would be kind of stamped down on now. You know, you know, healthy eating for kids in schools and all that, mm. all that sort of stuff. I mean, I wonder where LucasAid fits in here, James, because um, at the time, I remember sort of John Barnes's LucasAid advert, which was an incredibly sort of you know, sweaty, stylish affair. And at the mm. time, I thought LucasAid was just inc- the pinnacle of healthy consumption. Sure. This was, this was going to make you better. But it actually it's what they inject you with sugar. if you're injured. They just... Stick some of that in your ankle and away you go. Uh, yeah, Nectar of the Gods, LucasAid. I, yeah, it's a really interesting thing, the correlation between footballers and unhealthy foods, isn't it? I mean, it, the implication is that I think these things might help you in athletic performance, but of course they're not going to. On to a quite an interesting subgenre of footballers and adverts, um, which I can only entitle, Why the Hell Did They Need to Do This?, <laughs> and the only one place to start here, which is Luis Figo and Just for Men. Figo! Looking strong, Luis. We have to take care of ourselves. Here's to men like Figo, who never give in to grey. Just for Men targets only the grey. Nothing is easier. Still got it. Just for Men. For me, it's number one. This is well, Adam has you were talking about like just you know football that looks nothing like football this at the end feels the need to just chuck that in even though it's not about football really him just booting a ball through a tv i we have to make some allowances here james for the fact that this is this is obviously a kind of a pan-european <laughs> production so that, that explains <laughs> sure. some of the the kind of accessible woodenness of the whole thing but um why does Luis figo even need to get involved in all this nonsense because that's, this isn't good for the Luis figo brand is it Maybe it's a cause close to his heart. That's all I can think, that he, you know, he sees the pain men suffer as they go grey and he feels the need to address it. The language, I can't remember exactly what it is, but it is quite strong. It is like he is doing everything to resist grey. Like he's being really strong against it. So it does suggest he feels very passionately. I mean, Luis Figo, of course, is a man who's had a pig head thrown at him. So I, I guess he could probably handle a few jibes about the the possibility that he's using, using just for men. I guess we're into kind of talk Pele and erectile dysfunction territory. If you advertise something, the implication is that you are therefore using it yourself. So um, maybe you're just going to have to grin and bear it. But I guess a lot of money helps. Mm, along, and along, a lifetime supply of just for men. Well, I mean... How long would you need it for? Because after up to a certain age, you're probably just not going to care. Is he still going to be using it at eighty? Surely he would. Embrace I don't know. What's Figo's hair like now? I was just going to say, is he? Has he fended off the uh, the lingering threat of greyness that we all worry about? This has an oddly enduring cultural impact, and I feel it. It's featured in every Sunday league warm up I've ever had, mm-hmm. regardless of who I've been warming up with, which is the John Smith's Avit advert with Peter Kay. Um, I feel like every fibre of all three of our beings should be against everything that this this advert involves. And yet it, there is a certain charm to it, 
isn't there? Have it. Oh, yes. The original is, is good. It's a really good idea. But it was when people started imitating it for like the hundredth time and thinking they were being really original. That's when it started to get a bit annoying. It's kind of incredible that a Peter Kay advert has now become a thing that we go, do you remember that? <laughs> it's sort of the perfect circle. As with all these sorts of adverts, the iconography sometimes troubles me. No one plays with a ball that muddy. No one plays with a ball that rubbish. There are decent footballs out there for Sunday League teams to play with. And uh, but yeah, I just feel like yeah, there there are two there are two kind of um, tropes to the to the average Sunday League warm up. The first being if someone has a shot and it doesn't and it goes wildly off target, someone makes a quip about getting it out of the way in the warm up, mm. and then there will always be someone who will do the Peter K have it and even in 2019-20 season i'm still thinking actually yeah that's fair enough that's that's still that's still an acceptable cultural <laughs> reference to have I, I just don't know how we got to that stage james i also think there's probably not enough realism in people's reaction i mean if someone did actually boot a ball over a fence and to the point where someone would have to go around quite a long way to get it i think there'd be more palpable irritation from this teammates <laughs> Yes. Yeah. Stop losing footballs. There's nothing you shouldn't glorify kicking a ball into someone's garden because the fact is it's actually really uncomfortable, especially as a grown up having to go and ask for it back. Lots of shouts for this on Twitter as as one of the worst acting performances by a footballer in, in a in an advert. Uh, Paul Mott was the first to to suggest it. This is uh, Wayne Rooney, Ryan Giggs, and Patrice Evra um, advertising Casillero del Diablo wine, um, who had a clearly had a very strong association with uh, with Manchester United. Before before we watch it, do we think this is Patrice Evra's real voice? Well, let's watch it and see. It sounds <laughs> a bit suspicious to me, but a, anyway. You think he's been sort of dubbed over in a kind of John Possibly. Walker escape to victory I, context? Yeah, I don't know enough about how, the sound of Patrice Evra's voice, but let's have a watch and see what you think. Lovely stuff. Mm, I'm intrigued. I haven't seen this one. I said... Have you heard the rumour? What rumour, George? Guys, we have a problem. Here he comes. The boss said that new devil is arriving. <laughs> is he well known? Famous around the world. <laughs> <laughs> and what do they say about him? <laughs> they say he is a legend. <laughs> extraordinary from Rooney I mean as I said to you beforehand Adam I actually think Ryan Giggs gives quite a subtle good acting <laughs> performance in that but I don't know if it's just the contrast to what you get from the other two yeah, he looks very concerned, actually, doesn't he? He really looks like he's getting into it. Well, Ryan Giggs looks like that all the time. If anything, he is playing the best version of himself that I've ever seen. It's, it's, that, mm. it's that very specifically look of 50% irritation and 50% concern that Ryan Giggs has always had, that kind of frown of kind of what am I doing here and why are you looking at me and please go away, <laughs> that he's always had. Whereas when it comes to Rooney, I mean, it would be so easy to... Yeah, I mean, it's so easy to pigeonhole him as as this kind of um, just I don't know, just 
incapable actor. But how difficult could it be to just spit out a one-liner with any sort of expression? And he somehow fails to do it, Jane. There's an incredible bit at the end of that advert where Wayne Rooney just sort of has his hand resting on his chin. He's sort of attempting to look pensive. <laughs> but it's very clear that he's been told, Wayne, just pop your hand on your chin and try and make it look natural. And it, <laughs> it looks like someone has glued his hand to his face. It's so stiff. I mean, it is kind of incredible, really, that... You know, given the amount of commercial exposure he must have had, the amount of times he must have been in front mm. of a camera, the mm. amount of times he had to give interviews or appear in marketing campaigns, given all that, it's an extraordinarily bad performance from him. Footballers shouldn't really suffer from stage fright, should they, Charlie? Because surely they, 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 they perform in front of thousands of people every week. Surely that shouldn't phase them, should it? Yeah, well, I mean, I guess it's like that thing of public speaking and people finding that more terrifying and they're, they're comfortable playing football because that's what they're born to do. But what I find more weird is when people are saying things, they like when a manager says having to give a team talk in an ad and it's something they must have done a million times and that they can't sort of channel, just be like, look, what would you, you know, say it as you would normally. But they do it and it seems, because they're in like an ad or performing mode, it's just, it just sounds so unnatural and wooden. Well, moving on to the adverts that were actually quite nice. And when you factor in some of the acting is fairly ropey, that the sentiment that we generally get out of them is is, is quite pleasant. Um, Ian Wright's Chicken Tonight advert, which very much the forerunner for, for innocuous looking um, footballer associations with products. Um, this was for this particularly was for Sizzle and Stir, which you don't get anymore. It's a really good product. I really miss <laughs> Sizzle and Stir. You just don't have it anymore. They're kind of two step process for making a curry that you just don't have. Um, that wasn't some sort of that. Was, that sounds really like a. Um, a Are you sponsored by Sizzle yeah, and Stir? Yeah. I wish I was. Um, in any case, this is all about Ian Wright's performance, not the product itself. Um, let's really enjoy Ian Wright, perhaps at his professional peak. Now, there's something slightly more sophisticated than your everyday cooking sauce. It's called Sizzle and Stir from Chicken Tonight. And this is the tikka masala variety. You get two pots, you see. The first spices the chicken and turns it tikka red. One feels like chicken tonight, like chicken tonight, chicken tonight. Then, the second part gives you a masterful masala sauce. Chicken Tonight, Sizzle and Stir. One could say it's a game of two halves. James, please assess. <laughs> I tell you what, all I can think about coming away from that is that Chicken Tonight Sizzle and Stir does seem like a tremendous product. <laughs> <laughs> See? Much I missed. knew you'd be convinced. Um, Charlie, are we t- is Ian Wright in a very, very small group of footballers who probably could have got away with this advert, just in terms of his reputation? I think he's one of the few who would have the wit to sort of pull something like that off. He He is a genuinely good performer, and that was at a time where that was kind of coming to light i think so it, it, mm. it does suit him quite well i think you know he he seems to, it, it feels like he has a stake in it and might have been involved in the conceit whereas mm. for most of them they're parachuted in and just look often bewildered by what they're being asked to do well the the, the rule here would seem to be james if you're going to do something that's demonstrably naff you're going to have to go all in on it it's you know you're going to have to just immerse yourself in the naffness and then mm. it it you know, your reputation will presumably be intact at the end of it and you'll pocket a fair bit of cash. Which leads us on, naturally, to uh, Jamie Parkin's suggestion, which is Ronaldo and Shoppy, which is just an incredible, almost surreal um, advert. I don't know if you've ever seen it, but you're about to watch it now in full. Okay, great. I just, I just, I can't. There's lots of generic football oh going on here. Really bad kits, and then. 
Heavily airbrushed for now, though. Shopee 99 Super Shopping Day with 10% cashback. Buy everything at Shopee. That, that's like footballer advert bingo, isn't it? I mean, it ticks so many boxes. Mm. Uh, of course, you have all the vital ingredients of any football advert, which is just this terrible approximation of what football should look like. You've got a really bad-looking ball, everyone wearing, wearing very bland kits, a referee appearing out of nowhere to show someone a card of some sort. Um, but <laughs> again, when you're watching something like this, you think, Ronaldo, you've got loads of money. How much money could they have possibly paid him for it to make of any difference to his circumstances where he thought, do you know what? I'm going to bloody well do this advert for Shopee. And then, it, of course, you have this tagline at the end, which is buy everything with Shopee, which is, seems a bit megalomaniac for me. <laughs> buy everything with your earnings from being in a Shopee advert. I, yeah, <laughs> it is incredible. I mean, I, he's got to take a day out of his life to, to go and shoot that as well. And he's no need for the money. Maybe, like Luis Figo, Shoppy is just a cause he really believes in. I was going to say, <laughs> you, you, you've ruled out that he feels passionately about Shoppy. This whole episode has, has been leading us only one way. And uh, to be honest, I don't really know why this particular advert even happened or, or for whose benefit it was. But here it is. Uh, again, a few people suggested it, but uh, Tim Wright was the first. He said, you best have Michael Owen advertising Dubai on this episode. Well, Tim Wright, you won't be disappointed because here... In some of its glory is Michael Owen in his virtual helicopter flying over Dubai. And this is no ordinary chopper. It's got special powers, and once we're airborne, you'll see just what I mean. Do you think as well there's a feeling with these foreign actors? Do they think that they won't be seen by a kind of a European audience? Like, you know, as if it's like a pre-internet age. Because like with this and the and that Ronaldo Shoppy one, I don't know. It, 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 it feels like a bit of a free hit for them, but obviously this this got circulated and became a, a, a huge thing in its own right. And is there, in the poor delivery, a degree of kind of Steve McLaren effect in place where they're like, this right. is going to be seen in foreign land, therefore I should speak slowly and clearly. Here he is almost killing golfer Sam Torrance. So hold on. Hey. I think that's actually Sam Torrance down there, the ex-Ryder Cup captain. Let's just drop down a bit to check. <laughs> I love how he describes who he is as well. <laughs> it's like Alan Partridge, welcome to the places of my life, isn't it? Good thing he has that great Scottish sense of humour. He's not looking where he's flying. I wouldn't want Michael Owen flying me in a helicopter. This looks terrible. Has he got a co-pilot? No. No, no, this is, Michael Owen is very much at the at Flying the controls. Solo. I th thought we'd have watching. Emil Heskey doing the majority of the work. <laughs> <laughs> Good, nice. We finish where we really ought to finish, which is 1994's Coco Pops Jungle World Cup. Um, this, is, this is a brand taking football and really kind of stretching it and massaging it for its own means. But I feel like it, is, it should be considered a cult classic. But though I have some genuine concerns about this. Let's begin. We were losing in the final of the Jungle World Cup. So I built a cup with Coco Pops. They're 10 nil down. Yes, and there's no explanation about what happened in the rest of this tournament. Like who qualified for the Jungle World Cup? Who were the other teams? Who were the who what was the group of death? But here is we that are on in the Wikipedia, final. Adam. Is there not a no. sort of fake tournament? No, it's just the final here. Coco United versus Amazon Forest. And uh Coco United are 10 nil down at half time. And then somehow pull it back to 11-10 um, by the virtue of having some Cocoa Pops at half-time, which, which begs some very, very serious questions about doping. 
Well, footballers eat jelly babies at halftime, don't they? That was always the myth. This is like the Red Bull, Jamie Vardy precursor. Yeah. Uh, good to see an appearance from, I presume that's Des Lionum. Yes, Des Lionum, yes, absolutely. Which yeah. is a nice touch, that considered, mm. that's considerably nice touch. Um, needs Jonathan Pierce on commentary rather than a soundtrack, <laughs> I think. Um, I think they've, they've missed it. Well, this the is like the here. montage at the end of the game. Yeah. All of these goals are really terrible. You'd think there'd be a bicycle kick of some sort, but these are all kind of unopposed one-on-one situations, two of which look suspiciously offside. So I think the whole Mm. thing is scandal-ridden. I feel like throughout this episode, we've consumed a hell of a lot of vicarious sugar just by by watching these adverts. (laughs) Um, It's perhaps a good thing that footballers aren't being forced to endorse sugar-filled cereals anymore. But, But at the same time, we're missing out on a whole golden era of TV advertising. All it, all it now is is kind of sort of... I feel like the typical football advert now is, is kind of a betting advert where you've just got loads of loads of mates sat on a sofa where, all wearing sort of generic hoodies, all sort of celebrating a goal with a little bit too much excitement. Um, yeah, mates I, out I of the fear, can, as my brother yeah, calls Yeah, Charlie, I, I fear for the future of the football advert. I don't feel like, we feel like we're seeing a kind of conveyor belt of classic examples anymore. Yeah, I mean, that, there was a weird one as well, a betting one, and it was a group of guys just, you know, round, round the lads watching, I think, a, an obscure women's tennis match that they could bet on. And you, you do have to question kind of how realistic a scenario is. Uh, I, I can't really imagine groups of lads, you know, should we get the boys round and watch the, you know, the first round of Doha? Um, <laughs> but, but this ties in as well, you know. I often think this, you mentioned, Adam, with your the kind of plausibility of some of these it's like why not just check you know with what what a football (laughs) warm-up looks like or what what lads do uh but yes it's a departure for sure i think football is just very hard to approximate for for something you've got to squeeze into 30 seconds but the crucial question at the end of this james is are you going to purchase some chicken tonight sizzle and stir perhaps off ebay from from the 90s i think so i can't believe i didn't have it at the time i'm furious You've missed out. But you didn't miss out on this podcast because it was a really wonderful experience. Thank you both for joining me on my birthday. Happy Happy birthday, birthday, mate. Thank you very much. That was a pleasure and we'll see everyone next week. To celebrate the return of football, you can now enjoy access to The Athletic for free for 30 days. That's enough time to watch Michael Owen flying his helicopter over Dubai 4,341 times by going to theathletic.com forward slash cliches pod. That's theathletic.com forward slash cliches pod.